All right, all right. Welcome to this 18th episode of Warrior Week podcast, Parables from the Pit. My guest today is Colin Talley, graduate of Warrior Week 27 and Warrior Week 38. Sit down, relax, and enjoy this episode. All right, we're back with Colin. Colin, welcome to the show, brother. Yeah, glad to be here. Thank you for having me. All right. Okay, so Colin, you came into Warrior Week 27. That's... uh, April of 2016. That's almost two years ago. Correct. Okay. So inside of the game, talk to me about what was going on with Colin at that time. Uh, You know, I know you and I talked about the injuries that you had. Uh, Talk to us about, like, a little bit of a background of your Ironman achievement background and what these kind of injuries have caused you to be in a place, I call it a little bit fucking grumpy, but I guess <laughs> you you can define better than that. And then you come in and you come across the videos, obviously, of Warrior Week, and next thing you know, you're part of the game. Yeah, so uh, when I came across the videos, like I, again, it's one of those things that we hear, like you, you talk about sometimes where I, I thought things were good. I thought things were good. Life was good. I had, uh, as you mentioned, physically had done a number of races in the endurance world, primarily Ironman. Uh, had you know uh, connection and participation in in church and so forth with family and connection with my wife Lauren and with my girls Sammy, Marky and Riley Reed and then had had done well in business and had money and and had um, no, not a lot of stress there uh, but the way I describe it was my life was just very very gray like there was no real color in my life and um, but but the truth is I didn't even see it then. Like I was bl- absolutely 100% blind to it at the time mm. because like I, I didn't even know. I just I just it, it was just what what I was in. Like it's kind of like when you're in water and it's surrounding you like it's just all around you you don't even realize and then all of a sudden this video comes across and boom this idea gets implanted into me. It's, it scared the shit out of me at first to mm-hmm. to consider that uh, and that's when this um started to open up. So I'm going to come back to my original question. Were you fucking grumpy? <laughs> I was grumpy a lot. Okay. Like, so here, uh, why I'm asking that, because that's pretty much the fucking topic of today, right? Life is working to yep. some extent from your perspective. And inside of that, there is one thing that you're sure of, and that is you're grumpy. Yep. And grumpy has many definitions. You're grumpy in your relationship with, with your wife and your kids. You're grumpy inside of the business. You're grumpy when it comes to your body. You're grumpy when it comes to God. Like there, There is this feeling of always being somehow stressed to some extent, but caused by some fucking level of anxiety. Some unanswered fucking question that stacks up and creates this thing that we call anxiety. So talk to me about being grumpy. What did being grumpy meant to you? Then, yes, yeah, so being grumpy to me then originally meant grumpy to myself. I mean, like literally, just always like shit talking myself, pouring down on myself. And again, I didn't even realize it at the time. And then that would come out to other people, primarily my wife and my children, because they're closest, right? So they're the kind of the they're in the shrapnel range, if you were, when that would happen. So I would just be grumpy about so many things. There was there was no uh, hope, there was no excitement, there was no uh, vision. It was just all uh, kind of blah. Everything mm. is blind. So you just, in a moment's notice, there's nothing you're looking forward to. There's nothing I was looking forward to. There's nothing that I was really excited. I would get like a little bit excited or would try to fake my way through some things, whether that be events or holidays or whatever. But the truth was, like, I was just grumpy all the time. You know, and you just kind of faked your way through. You just kind of shoved it down, put on, a, put on a happy fucking face, and then try to act like you weren't. That's so true, because I know I was fucking grumpy, too. I go back four years ago before... Uh, before I walked into Warrior, like my life was a grumpy fucking life. Yep. I would I would travel uh, 250 days out of 356. Basically, two thirds of the year, I would be outside of my own house, right? And that means that I would have to deal with people that I didn't care as much as right. about the people that I care about at home. So I learned 
how to mask this. Right. Because I couldn't be grumpy in public. Well, not only that, it takes more energy. That's the <laughs> thing that, I, as you're saying that, I'm realizing for myself, I did the same thing. But when I was around those people, it took so much energy that when I showed back up to my family, like there was nothing left to give. Even, but grumpiness. Right. Because that's all that was left. You'd poured all the other shit out. Like it, it was, there was nothing left in the container except shit for the, the leftovers for your family. It's fucked up how you sit back and you you just look at this like a little movie. I'm, I'm sitting here right now, man, and I'm looking at a short movie on myself four yep. years ago. Like, specifically, I remember sitting on the fucking couch and having my son to come and sit on my lap, and he was showing me some stuff, and my 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 mouth was with him saying, yeah, 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 yeah. My head was turned around, and I was, f like, scrolling my fucking phone, and it was some email, some of the fucking shit that I was going through. I don't remember what it was, but I specifically remember, like, him like pulling me, trying to find all kind of fucking attention, and at the end of the day, he just fucking like grabbed my phone and I fucking snapped, right? Right. Don't fucking touch the phone. And I can put that movie right now, I can sit and watch that movie four years ago, and I can say, that was a grumpy motherfucker right there. Sure. And I give myself permission to fucking snap because it was okay to be grumpy at home. That was the standard that I was living in. Yeah. It wasn't okay to be fucking grumpy, uh, grumpy at the airport. It wasn't okay to be grumpy in a business meeting. It wasn't. It wasn't okay to be grumpy sitting with clients. It wasn't okay to be grumpy in all kind of other public relations that I held, right? Including going to the fucking gym. Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't okay to be grumpy to the girl at at, at the Starbucks. Like, not, like there was no permission to be fucking grumpy outside. So you learn how to fucking mask it like an, a pro. And then you come home and you remove the mask of grumpiness. And you put another mask. You put a mask of a fucking liar. Right. Yeah, I know for me at home, too, the other part that, was, that, that would come up in that is that even when I could mask the grumpiness at home, the truth is, as you were telling that story, I could picture stories of me sitting with my girls, and all of a sudden they're talking to me, and I'm saying, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and like we're two minutes into it and I have no idea what they said. And like I'm literally sitting there, they're telling me something that matters to them, that's fucking important to them, and then I'm sitting there and I literally have recorded nothing. All I've done is totally check out and in my own fucking head about some other dumb shit, but I'm not connecting with them because I don't, I don't have anything left. All my capacity has been left out for everybody else and I show up and there's nothing left to give. I showed up, the suit of the man, the character of the fucking man showed up, but the energy, the intention, the, the ability to connect with them was non-fucking existent. Totally agree with that. And it's not a matter of fucking agreeing. It's a matter of living it before. Yeah. And if you're, if you're a guy that's listening right now to this or watching this somewhere, and like, dude, if you even have a glance of yourself in the situation that we just discussed, like, have you ever seen yourself listening to your kids or your wife, but not actually even fucking remembering what they said? And then, and then, when this is all over, right? When it's time to go to bed, before going to bed, like, you have this feeling of guilt. Yep. The fuck, man? The, the kid was just trying to talk to me. Yeah. Uh, and then you override it with a justification that, oh, right. fuck, you know, I got to get prepared for this meeting tomorrow. Yeah. Or this was an important meeting. Oh, I, I worked hard today. I shouldn't have to da 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 whatever, Or I'm doing this for excuse. them, right? Yeah. The, the, the common one is like, yeah. I had to handle my business. Right. So it's okay. I didn't listen to her. Like, you somehow wash the guilt with your positivity. Yes. But deep down? Deep down, it's just another weight that has been added to this fucking anchor it's another question that is answered and anxiety continues and you carry that every day for you. No wonder you're, you're fucking grumpy. Yeah. It's like, imagine carrying shit in your body all day. Right. You take a shit in the morning, you take a shit at night, but then you feel bloated all fucking day. Exactly. That, that makes you what? Grumpy. Yeah. Shitty and grumpy. Shitty for sure. <laughs> but you're going to mask the shittiness because you're going you're to consider yourself as a good guy. You're right. going to consider yourself as a family guy. Yeah, and I'm better than that guy, right? That's the other bullshit story we tell ourselves. As we go and we say, hey, I'm better than that guy. I'm not doing what that guy's doing. So all of a sudden, it, it's okay because I'm not as bad as him. True. I'm not I'm not going to the whorehouses. Right. I'm not going to the strip club. I'm loyal to I'm my wife. I'm at least at home. I'm not at the bar right now. I'm at I'm least not, at home. Yeah. Or, um, you know, I'm working out. Right. I'm not the fat guy sitting on the couch and not doing anything. Right. 
or or whatever, right. whatever, whatever you're excuse. gonna find one. Yeah. You're yeah, gonna yeah. find one. You're gonna find that positivity to justify the patterns of behavior. So this concept of being grumpy, right? Which is I, I put it in in a in a language that a seven year old can understand. <laughs> yeah. So that we all fucking relate to it. Like if you haven't been grumpy in your life, there's two reality. Either you're a fucking liar, or the second part of this is that dude, like, you may not be a dude. You may not have a fucking penis. What can I tell you? If you have a penis, you must be grumpy. Yes. True. That's the reality. But the problem with all this is we allow ourselves to be grumpy more at home than anywhere else. Yeah. It's a, it's it's painful to even think about. It's so sad to think about the way in which um, that grumpiness just kind of permeated the house because as, as we bring that energy in, then it just settles on everybody else. And, and you think about the bullshit of it. They have to fucking deal with it. They have to they have to absorb it, figure out what to do with it, figure out how to respond to it. Like, we don't even have that. We just show up and we just dump the shit on them. They, they then have to handle it, absorb it, figure out how to respond, figure out how to navigate with us. Is it really, is it a grumpy level two or is it grumpy level eight, right? Is he about to pop his fucking top or is he just going to like peel off and go hide in his office or watch TV? True. And I'm sitting here thinking this, Colin. I'm sitting here thinking this. Why did, like, I'm just questioning it, right? Why are we even in this situation where we are grumpy? Like, what brought us to a point that says it's okay to be grumpy at your wife and your kids, but it's not okay to be grumpy at work and in public. There must be something that brought brought us there. So I'm gonna look at this in 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 the best way that I can, and that is looking at my own my own experience growing up in my own household, right? Right. So I, I, as as long as I remember, my dad was always the positive guy. My dad was always the guy with the guidance, um, and 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 always always with the advices. Yet I end up being a grumpy guy at home. Despite all his effort, despite all his guidance, I took over at one point and I said, you know what, Dad? I know what I'm doing. So I appreciate the advice, but I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want to do. I'm going to be the man. I mean, I guess that's what I said, because if I would have followed all the advice my dad would have given me, like I wouldn't be fucking grumpy at home. But then I look back and I look at what advices that he actually gave me. Most of his advice was how to operate outside of my house right the ad now that I, once i got married and kids i'm hearing the advices how to operate at home more often i'm hearing those but i still i don't i don't hear him often enough as if he doesn't want to give himself permission to tell me what to do because i'm a grown-ass man right now right and precisely that's the fucking problem right i want to be able to provide all kind of guidance and advices for my son when he's 41, 42 with six kids. Sure. I do want to do that. Yeah. And I'm going to do that. And if there's going to be an opinion that why you're interfering in your son's life, and I'm going to say, fuck you. Because inside of this game, I look bad at what happened to me. And like, if my dad did everything right, then why the fuck was I grumpy at home all the time versus, you know, bringing all that energy to my house? I love my family. Yeah. I would fucking die for my wife and my kids. Sure. But yet I would give myself to be fucking grumpy and snap. Snap. Like literally fucking snap. Either by giving cold shoulder, yelling, uh, wrong fucking attitude, wrong comment, or just like hurtful shit. Yep. Hurtful actions. Yeah. Hurtful actions and words. Just in, in, in a nutshell, call it the fucking asshole. So if that's the case, what went wrong? I'm looking at myself right now. Yep. What went wrong? My dad giving me advice most of my life, giving me the right advice socially, like in society, how I should perform and how I should behave, right? All the time, I remember that. My dad started giving me advice when I started getting married and having a kids. But then less and less of those advices are coming in. They're still coming from time to time, but I think it's a question of permission. Like I believe he still wants to give me advice on family and kids, but I believe that he doesn't wanna, like at some extent, insult me and saying, okay, well, you know, I don't want to really interfere in your life. You're a grown-ass man. Reality is being a gross-ass man is not defined by age or how many kids you have. Right. It's really defined by your patterns and behaviors. And if you're grumpy at 41, you're still a goddamn fucking kid. Right. That's my point. Yeah. 
So inside of this, like, what are you hearing from this, and how is this relevant to you and your dad and your story? Yeah, so um, my dad was not that. So my dad was not that evolved. So I think as you were talking, like, I was I was thinking to myself, what what made me grumpy or what, what caused me to be more prepared outside the home? And it was because what I learned about, what I heard about, what I studied, what I read, what I was focused on was all the things outside the home. Even though I knew, like, you're told, you're taught, Okay, family matters most. The truth is, most of the time got spent on business and you know how to make money and how to be successful and how to handle all those kinds of things. Or Especially sports. as man, yeah, sports exactly those. Com- and look at where I spent the time, right? The time from all the way from whether you look at high school, college, even early adulthood, early career, like so much of my time was focused on that. That I just didn't learn. Like it wasn't a skill that it wasn't even part of the conversation. To be honest, with you. it's like. You hear people say your family's most important, but there is no conversation. So it sounds like you had some, but for but for me there was this there was this vacuum of that, and so like I'm just trying to fucking figure it out. And so it was just it was there was so much focus on the other. And I think I you brought a good point is I had some, yeah, but I really did also focus on all the other stuff that you said. Most of my life I focused on being, you know, studying the social integration, whatever that would be. Like hey. Hang out with this group, hang out with that group, right. be friends with this group, and be part of this social circle. Right. Uh, do this kind of social activities, or it would be studying business, right? Or studying work, studying like something that would give me talents and make me be better and more successful in my line of work and in my production. Right. And the third part of this was, you know, sports, right? Or being an athlete and just like becoming better at at, at being an athlete, right? Outside of that. There was no fucking time spent on how to be a great man and a great husband. Right. Like, it, it's almost, prior to worry, it would have been almost like a fucking insult if you would come to me and say, go see a counselor or, hey, have you taken these, uh, you know, the, the, the how to be how to be a great husband classes? Yeah, like douchebags. Yeah, like, fucking yeah, fuck, shut what up. What the fuck are you talking about, man? <laughs> like, dude, I'm a great husband. You should probably right. come learn from me. Yeah, right? I, I would have said you need to talk to you need to. My wife needs to go to that, or my girlfriend, or yeah. whatever like that. Like that, that would feel like a chick thing, not a dude thing, right? It, it, it's weird how we we are conditioned to reject any advices or any guidance that would help us become a better father and a better husband. But the, but but here but here's why I think because we didn't see it. I didn't see it as well until I got to work how foundational it is to the rest. The 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 challenge is that look you think that it's inverted, so right? True. You think okay, so I'm going to build my business so I can do so I can support my family and then I'll worry about my body and, and but it's inverted once we learn obviously we have to take care of our body and our spirituality and our family first and then we produce. Yes. And that's the thing to me that was was completely flipped as I got into warrior started studying the doctor started to understand and then putting it obviously into practice not just studying, but that it was completely inverted and so now after all this fucking time and all this work like I under, I fundamentally understand. I am a better producer. I am more focused and stuff like that because I was literally just confused in this, literally the pit because I couldn't, I couldn't understand why it wasn't working. But it wasn't working on the inside of me and the way I connected. I mean, yeah, there were things ab- around my life. The the story, the picture of my life was working. But the the truth is, once I got to worry, it inverted, and then I understood why we had to study how to be great men how we had to be connected to God, how we became great fathers and husbands and so forth to then produce. So true. Like As you're describing this, I can literally see myself four years ago going through life not knowing where I was going to end up. Yep. Like not even – this is not about predicting the fucking future. Or this is not about like knowing the future. Of course, I, the future doesn't fucking exist, right? But at the same time, I didn't have a path. Correct. So I was like, okay, well – I guess we'll see what's going to happen, right? I guess life has something reserved for me. I guess we'll see what's going to happen. That was the dialogue that I had in mind. And like you, I was conditioned to put everything else, like put work first. Yep. And then my body was just, just the conversations of health. Or and, how you and, looked, how you, yeah, yeah, yeah it, was, and it was superficial. It had nothing to do with accessing power so right. I can actually on a daily basis, use that for something. When it comes to God, it was just maybe a, a comfort place. Someone has my back. So yep. every time things will go wrong or I would be in difficult time, I turn into God yep. and he's, he's got my... And then inside of my relationship with my wife and my kids, like, yeah, the foundation of love was there. Right. Loving them and like, hey, saying, hey, I'm going to protect you guys. Yeah. I love you guys. But then like behaviors and patterns were such that they came last inside of the priorities right right 
And everything else was put in order to how to produce money and how to become significant, right? I was looking for significance inside of the business world, inside of the line of work that I was doing. I was looking for significance. My significance was I was looking for it there. Beyond money, yes, there was. The, we all work for that, right? right? Beyond money, the reason why I continued to like evolve and study and and do better in that area versus like studying my family, because I was looking for significance on the outside. And with Warrior, what I found is that I need to seek significance inside of my own home. Because when I feel significant as a husband and as a daddy, then I don't have any fucking need for any significance out there rather than just projecting my significance now. Yeah, and, and that significance even in me first because as I have found more and more significance and power myself, I'm, I have so much more to share with my wife and daughters. Like it's unbelievable. It's exponentially larger. And it's funny you talk about the significance piece. That's exactly what I had chased for so fucking long. And then all of a sudden, I get to where I thought I was supposed to be physically doing what's right uh, spirituality-wise, doing what's right family-wise, making money. And all of a sudden, now I'm fucked. Because, and that's what put me in that pit that I figured out was all of a sudden I have gotten to the place that if you would have told me five years, 10 years before, I would have been ecstatic. Yet I'm here and I'm miserable mm -hmm. and I'm grumpy and I don't know what the fuck to do about it. And everything I try is not fucking working and I can't fake it anymore. And boom. So, you know, th that's a, that's a common pain. That's a common pain. That was my pain. That was your pain. Um, that's the pain of at least 50% of guys coming inside of the experience called Warrior Week or knocking even a door to Warrior and even listening to the conversation right. of this podcast. I mean, if you're still in this podcast, still listening to this shit, it's because it's resonating with you. Otherwise, you would have said, you know, fuck these guys. I'm going to go listen to some, you know, marketing motivational speaker talk about how to make money, right? These guys are a waste of fucking time. And that's how I used to operate. That's how I used to operate. Whenever there was a conversation that was uncomfortable, yep. whenever there was a conversation that was in my personal life, I was saying, I, I don't allow anybody to talk about personal life. Dude, I specifically fucking remember dudes trying to find out more about my personal life, right? Yep. And I would block everybody down with whatever, comedy, shutdowns, even to a point of telling someone fuck off or right. whatever. Right. And now that I look back, there was a reason why I was doing that. It's like, I was like, I'm like, okay, my personal life and my personal life. That's my business. No one else should have their nose <laughs> in. Okay, if that's the case, that means I would totally fucking operate alone in that place. Right. All decisions were made by me based on my assumptions and my fucking justification. Which is true in your marriage, too, with your wife as well. That's that, right. It doesn't just happen with the guys and the people around you. That, 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 it, that, that virus infects a lot more than just that one area. Period. And then inside of that game, you operate alone. And then you, the, the only times you have to reassess is this feeling of regret, guilt, and shame about the decisions you already made. But you have this positivity cloud fog that comes over and says, all right, it's all be right. It's going to be good. It's all you. It's a dialogue between you and you. Yeah. I fucked up. It's going to be okay. I'm going to make up for this. I, I don't know what the fuck is going on. All this dialogue is happening between you and you and you. Yep. And the more and more you're blocking your personal life because you don't want to hate any other perspective on this yeah it, so for me it was different because i would allow people in so i was more okay. vulnerable in that sense but they would come up with the idea and i'd be like that's a great idea one day i'll take action one, one day, day. I, I, i'll do that later when i have time when i have resources when i have money when 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 and then when turns into days turns into weeks turns into months turns into years and it never fucking comes so all that is it's simply a pattern and behavior that says like, I, I don't want to feel this pain, right? right. I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to do the work now. Right. Because I get that all the time, right? I, I speak to guys and, and you know, they feel the pain. They say, yeah, this is the problem. But they won't, They don't want to act upon the problem because right. acting on the problem is more painful. Right. And, and then they tell themselves, oh, it's good enough. It's good enough. I'm good enough right now. I can just a little bit longer like this. And I feel better because I just shared it with someone, yep. right? Or yep. I, I, it's like I, taking a shit. Like they just feel better. They took a shit. They feel a better. Shit. And then carry more shit yep. with you because you're fucking grumpy. Yep. So this whole feeling of just blocking any advice on family and kids, my family, not, yeah. not overall family, right, right? right? But we're talking about my fucking kids and my wife. Like, no. 
There's nobody else that could actually have an opinion on this, right? Right. And so what do you do? You read some books. Well, how are you reading? Alone. <laughs> You're reading a book alone, right? Or you go to some church group. Right. And you start talking about this, but then you mask 80% of the shit that you do. Yeah, and you talk at a, to talk at the, at about the 20%. Yeah, yeah the, the, the two foot of water versus That's the right. 20 foot of water. You don't talk about all the nasty shit yeah. you do because it's, yeah, it's a church meeting. I can't <laughs> fucking talk about that shit with these guys. Yeah. So there's always this portfolio of reserving how much you're going to share. Right. And so looking back at all this, this builds a pattern and behavior to simply operate alone and seek for help in places that are private, like right. a book. Yeah. Because publicly looking for help makes me two things. One, it exposes me. Secondly, it makes me feel weak. And third of me, third of all, is just like people now see me as this weaker version. That's the mindset that I had. Yeah, I think for me it was more uh, potentially association to make it okay. So as long as the people I was around, not bad guys, but mm. as long as it, we agreed or we had a common understanding of how this was supposed to work, then I, it didn't have to, I didn't have to challenge myself, right? We, we could move a little bit, we could do a little bit better, but there was not gonna be any major challenge to how I lived, how I operated by association. True, and that's where I use the term grumpy. Yeah. Because being grumpy, you can mask that really well. Like, you can mask being grumpy. like. You can walk grumpy all day, and just no one knows that you're grumpy. Yeah. But deep down inside, you're grumpy as fuck. Yeah. Your patient is not there. You snap. You react. But people looking from the outside, you don't look like a grumpy guy. Yeah. Because you're you not really causing your trouble. Your own internal dialogue with yourself yeah. is the first place you can see it. Like yeah. if you think about how you talk about your, to yourself about what you ate or what you didn't do at workout oh. or what you did at work. Just the internal dialogue that I didn't even realize was going on was so. It was probably worse than grumpy, but it was definitely fucking grumpy at, at the at the best at the best level. And it affects your energy. Oh, it, yeah. It's it's cognitive energy yeah. that is being consumed constantly to, ma to manage your grumpiness. Yeah. And inside of that. There's not much left. There's some left for your body. There's not really much left to give to other people. Because your cognitive energy is consuming most of the goddamn fucking energy, managing your anxiety and your grumpiness. Yeah, and it completely, for me, it completely blocked the ability to have true spiritual connection, too. Is the other thing. That internal dialogue, that grumpiness, that stuff, once uh, addressed and handled over time through the work, allowed for a level of connection to God that I had never experienced before. But I realized because I was in that internal dialogue for myself, there was no way for me to let in that, that connection that we talk about. You know, when that energy is not there, you're not going to really welcome or you're not going to really connect with another molecule and just transfer energy. When it's not there, you just shut down. Right. And so when you think about a guy that says, hey, it's so easy for me to make millions of dollars, but it's so difficult for me to connect with my wife and my kids. It's not that he doesn't know how, and it's not that it, it, he's paralyzed, but that's how he sees it. It's yeah. just because the energy, the cognitive energy of the dialogue internally that has been running all day has left nothing for him. The letter that is left to shut down his body and to go to fucking sleep or to numb, numb himself down with some fucking alcohol, some program on TV, food, drugs, or whatever that is, just to find the sleep and recover and come back the next day with more energy. Yeah. And plugged into that story that we wind up telling ourselves or so many do that if I get to this point, you know, back to your analogy of the guy who's producing millions of dollars, not able to connect with his family. There's this story that if I get to this point, when I get there, yeah. then I will turn. When I get there, then I will turn. And then you see those men later in life, shattered families, regrets in relationship. And it's just so sad because they were plugged into just a complete bullshit fantasy story that they chased and they actually achieved it and yet they lost everything in the process. Absolutely. And in the midst of all this, like what happens is that you operate based on those rules and these patterns and behaviors and just like adopt it, adopt it from, from others mm -hmm. that have gone through the same pain. Yeah. But your story is I won't be like those guys. Right. I'm going to beat this. Right. Right. I'm going to beat this. But I want you to like, Imagine a scenario of the same guy that's making millions of dollars, right? Yep. Imagine him waking up full of fucking energy. And, like, he's, he's like a fucking energy ball inside of his house. Like, he's playing with kids. He's playing with, uh, like, he's, he's entertaining his wife. He's constantly serving with high level of energy for most of the day at, at home, yep. right? Or with his family. 
And then whatever is left, he's going to take it to work. What do you think is going to happen there? What I know is going to happen is that he's going to have exponentially more ability at work than he ever would. He'll be more focused, yep. more driven, yep. more strategic. More efficient. Yeah, more strategic about what he involves himself in. He won't get caught up in as much bullshit at work. True. He'll choose the things that matter. He'll focus on projects, and he'll invest in his people because he needs to empower his people because he's he's at work less time. So his, his employees get a better... Uh, boss and and leader, but they also are empowered because he needs them to rise. Yes. Otherwise, he cannot do what he was doing that day with his family and in his home with all that energy. Yes. So that there's a, there's value for everybody involved and the level of creation that's possible for that businessman so different than their inverse. And most people, most people, most people would say you have to burn the midnight oil. You have to grind like a motherfucker. Sleep is a luxury. You don't sleep if you want to be successful. Yeah. All kind of motivational shit that you hear yeah. out. Like yeah. the other day, I like this YouTube channel was playing, and dude, I was listening to one after another one. It's come, it was coming out. Like, let me repeat. Like, it was like this deep voice, and it's like, you know, motivating. I don't know who the fuck was this guy motivating, but this was how it was motivating him. Oh, grind all day, grind, 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 grind all day. Grind, don't sleep, grind. Sleep is a luxury. If you sleep, you will not be successful. You know what successful people do? They don't fucking sleep. That's what they do. You need to grind. You need to wake up every morning and say, I'm going to fucking grind. Like nonstop, right? And, it, and when you're hearing that, it fucking drills in your head. Yeah. Because it drills the same pattern and behaviors that you grew up listening to or watching. Yeah. When my dad was talking, my dad was talking about the same thing. Right. Except he wasn't using this guy's voice and he wasn't fucking annoying like this guy. Right. But he was he was he was using the same thing. He was giving me the same advice that, you know, you have to grind, you have to work hard and all this stuff. And in the midst of all that, there's nothing wrong with working hard. Of course. And and and, and hearing that. But hearing only that, there's something wrong with it. Yeah, it's just out of balance. Because everything else is left alone. Like, there's no conversation of, this is how you're going to treat your wife. Right. And the reason why is because he didn't know how to fucking treat his wife, so he didn't, couldn't fucking teach me. Right. Well, and, and you know, to, to even to get to the point of, the, you know, this this whole podcast in the pit, the, the reason that, you know, I decided to connect to, to the content here and then and take a look at my pit it was, was because it was comprehensive. Everything else that we see is either in one, maybe two domains, right? They don't, there's not this comprehensive view. So every time I would try to take a step out of the pit, it was only in one area. So then there's, there's, there's two-thirds or three-quarters of me still in the pit because I'm, not, I'm only addressing one thing. I'm only addressing my body to go do the race, but I'm an asshole to my, to my family because I've been pushing my body so hard. Or I'm super focused on work, but then all of a sudden I'm not training my body. Like, or I'd get really involved in something spiritually, but there was never a comprehensive view. And, and that's what's happening on so many of these things it's like they only look at one area which is a failure of a strategy to begin with because we are complex beings and all of these things matter they have to move together otherwise it doesn't work so true so coming back to you're a grumpy guy yep and you you come across his videos you come across the conversation with me and next thing you know you find yourself with a group of men at Warrior week 27 yeah um, I remember that specific Warrior Week. It was uh, what we called the, the uh, we called that one uh, specifically uh, immersion. We called that the immersion because it was forty eight hours and it was pretty intense. Right. It was shorter than any other Warrior Weeks that we've done. We were trying to bring the intensity uh, into a forty eight hour condensed period. Um, talk to me about that experience and particularly inside of the pit and your discoveries and um, who Colin became after that experience and that process? Yeah, so coming into um, Warrior Week 27, um, I didn't even know what I was coming into. All I knew was shit wasn't working the way that I thought it was. The details of my life, as I shared earlier, looked like uh, something that I would have expected felt very differently. And I had I had tried a number of things and failed, and I felt like I had to give myself a fucking shot. And I had to get my family a fucking shot. And so I decided to come. So I come uh, to Warrior Week and we step into it. And um, it exposed how much fear I still held on to for a lot of reasons from when I was a kid and stuff like that. How much fear lived in me. How much fear controlled me. How much uh, risk I, I uh, 
went away from because I, I didn't want to take risks and so on and so forth. And all those things were not necessarily bad, but I had boxed myself and trapped myself in such a way. I had so many rules, so many limitations, so many things that I didn't know how to turn. And so for me, stepping in the pit was able to just be honest about those things and share those things and be in a place with other men that were doing the same thing who were, who were uh, men who, who wanted to find a way through. And as I had that conversation, as we went through the experiences, went through the evolutions, there was just an opportunity to say, maybe some of the things that have created success, maybe some of the things that have shaped my life, that their, their time is done. Maybe it's time to put those tools down, those behaviors down, those thought patterns down. And, and it's not gonna happen overnight, but now at least I know what I'm fighting for and what I'm fighting against. Mm -hmm. And that's really what happened for me going into the pit was I, started, I was able to identify some key problems identify some key strategies and begin the process and so you did the work you did the work for almost a year and a half and we created the new bloodline inside of warrior week and uh you don't have to come through this there right. was not it was not an obligation for you to come and redo warrior week uh you were in a place where you had tremendous amount of growth inside of you yep uh and there was a conversation once again. Yep. And something shifted you in that conversation and said that you must come to 38. What was that? I, I felt a, a just a calling that I had to come. So there was a one, there was a, I just have, have through the work, I found a connection at, at a divine level that I didn't have before. So I had a divine knowing that's what I, what I needed to do. And the other thing was I wanted to see what man would come out the other side of the second time I went to Warrior Week based on all the growth that I'd had and what I had done. Because the truth is, Sam, when I showed up at Warrior Week 27, I was as much showing up for y'all as the coaches and the staff because so much of my self-worth and self-validation I got from the reflection, especially back from other men that I respected and trusted. So coming to 39, I really didn't give a fuck what you thought. Mm -hmm. I didn't give a fuck with the rest of the, I was there for me and me only and knew that I could stand in the fire of that and find a gift for that in me. So it was about showing up as a whole man mm -hmm. and learning more about myself and expanding in a way that was different because the man that showed up for Worry Week the second time was drastically different than the first. And so that's the reason that I came back was because I wanted to see what was possible for my life in the place that I was with the level of capacity and intention that I had. Beautiful. And so you decide to come to 39 and uh, there is a 21-day prep uh, preparation training that takes place before you actually come to the event. Uh, the intensity of that period by itself and what you had to go through overrode anything that you've done in the past, including Warrior Week 27. Correct. And today we're talking about that. There's still a couple of guys that have not experienced this, a couple of guys that we know that have not experienced this. And uh, one of them in particular was, uh, you know, at, was asked a few questions in a conference in front of everybody by Garrett. And after that, he, he kind of disappeared because he, in a way, he found gift in it, but also some level of discomfort showing his face up. Yeah. That's the only fucking conclusion I can make out of that. But it's the, 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 the level of pain that you went through with all the other guys that came with you. I believe there was 18 or 19 other guys. Yeah. Um, overrode the simple questions that Garrett asked that guy in a conference by thousand times. Right. Um, talk to me about what was happening to you during the virtual experience uh, and what was taking place? Like what, what was taking place physically, emotionally, spiritually with you as you dealt with uh, a, a series of questions that you run away most of your life. Uh, we would run away. All yeah. of us fucking run away from these questions. Well, it was it was shocking to me because I had obviously, as we talked about, been to Warrior Week. I've been doing the work very, you know, as consistently as anyone for a long, you know, a year and a half. And then we get into this 21 day prep, and like, you know, I feel like I'm in a pretty good spot. I'm gonna go back to work, and all of a sudden, one, I didn't know how incredible that how that had evolved and been created. So I was unaware of what had happened, and so we got into that prep, and it it tore open some things in me that I did not even know existed. There were questions that got presented to me, and 
uh, my reality shifted just just watching the video, answering the questions, interacting with the men as we prepared, and and having to really face some truths for myself. So it opened up the opportunity for me to show up at, th- at thirty nine, like I said, ready to do it. But it it was it was emotionally uh, as intense as anything that I've gone through, and it was really you know obviously virtual at that point, and uh, it caused me to really question what I wanted who I was, what was possible, and um, stripped me down to my core. Knowing you, before you stepped into 39, I just knew that Colin was stepping into 39 with a bigger bucket in his hand. Yeah. Like this time you, you came in with a massive bucket because you wanted to fill that bitch up and bring it home. Yeah. 27, I don't even know if you came in with a bucket. You no. borrowed a bucket. 39, you 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 came into Warrior Week with a big ass bucket, big ass container empty, so and your purpose was to fill it up all the way up to the top. And so first night you come in and you go to the pit. Yeah. And you go to this place that you haven't gone for for you know, ever. as long as ever. Right. You see some shit that most of your life you've been running away. Talk to me about the pain that you felt in the pit and what you saw in terms of possibility, even inside of the fucking pit that night. Yeah, so as I went into that, you know, it was uh, connected back to my relationship with my father and the lack there and some uh, early um, abuse and stuff is when I was younger and then then just the disconnect as he stepped away from being an angry man, but this basically shut down all of his power because he didn't know how to quite deal with that. So there was a vision associated with that and uh you know part of it like originally i was like fuck i've dealt like i've ha- like i've been a kid counsel when i was a kid like fuck do we, i mean I'm, i'm a 45 46 year old man fuck what do, do i really have to deal with this but there was an opportunity for me to see it and then see how that has shaped me and then see how again it was time to put down some of the things that i the choices that i have made to n- either not be that or to react to that so going in and facing it allowed me to really transform it in a way that i had not been able to before even though i had done uh, even though i was conscious of it even though i was willing to talk about it stuff like that and it's not some super traumatic like some folks have been through but it was my experience and so on and so forth but it it had i just had not seen how it had shaped me and going into the pit and looking at that opened a door of possibility to transform it in a way i couldn't before and that's like to your point about me showing up at 39 i was fully ready to submit. When I showed up at 27, I, I wasn't even really capable of submitting. I was just doing what I was told to do. This was a choice of submission to myself and to the process. And so you submitted to the pain by choice, yep. not by force. That was the difference. Yep. Um, you accepted the pain. You accepted to feel the pain. And, uh, and the next morning, we head out into the mountains and something happened to you in the mountains. That shifted you all the way to this point sitting here right now. Yeah. So why don't you talk about that? So we're in the mountains, uh, and I had, uh, as I've shared before, I had done um, endurance events, and I had always run to the finish line to um, prove something to myself. So at the Ironman finish line, I would prove to myself. It was one of the ways that I would show myself that I had value, that I was, you know, uh, exceptional, whatever, whatever terminology you want to use. But I, over time, I had started to downplay that because I had done it a number of times. And you at one point made me share about that mm-hmm. and made me, I shared and you mm-hmm. were like, that's, I mean, it was not acceptable. And, and you, you, you had me do it again with, with, and all of a sudden this power and this force came through and I realized what was possible for me from, from the things that I have done physically, the power that that is capable of because I had started to turn it off because there's a level of, of uh, power and aggression associated with that mm-hmm. that I would kind of push down. And so in the mountains, I recognized the, the, the power that I have within me and the power that I can call through me um, that I was putting down and was, was pushing away as, like, oh, that's not really not that big of a deal. Lots of people do it, da 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 da, da. But there was this m- moment at which all of a sudden I stepped in fully into the power that I can create that channels through my body. I remember that particular time. Um, and in fact, I made a post today on Facebook. I think I shared this in the car with you. And when I said uh, dragons became myth and sheeps became the new reality. 
and all because pride became shame. And when you look at that, having accomplished 14 fucking Ironman events, uh, we're going to talk about the last one particularly, but uh, having accomplished that, like, this was not something to be dismissed. And I was. So there, there is, there is a, there's an audience here right here right now that is listening to this. And there's an audience of athletes. There's an audience of achievers of physical experiences. Um looking constantly for a physical significance. Um, but deep down inside, all it is is just they're looking to process the pain that they may or may not be aware of it, such as in what you saw in the pit. And there are still guys that we know that are still running all over the place trying to find a level of significance in these physical events. Right. So if you would have to say anything with them, I'd like you to say two things. One is I'd like you to share with you what you shared on the mountains. Share with the audience what you fucking shared on the mountain with the guys. And just take ownership and pride in that accomplishment of yours. And so that the world know what you've accomplished. And secondly, give them a, a point of advice on this. Because, dude, you've been doing this for fucking 15 years. Yeah. 15 years you've been knocking at the door of significance. And you found it on those mountains. So, yeah. So, uh, you know, I have completed fifteen Ironman events, eight full Ironman, and been able to do that at a way at, a, at an elite level, at the at the level of uh, you know times of nine forty eight as as my fastest time. And all of a sudden, you know, I would say, well, you know, that's not that big of a deal. It was an easy day, or it was a it was a lighter day. But the truth is, is that it took fucking months and months of preparation i took my body and took it from you know 237 pounds down to my lightest race weight of 188 i was able to 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 re-engineer the entire race so that i could figure out how to do it in the best possible way for myself and create an elite, elite level and wind up in the top 100 amateur level inside of an ironman as a 42 year old man so there was incredible amounts of commitment over a decade through injury, through effort, through uh, you know studying, you know the the different ways to train, use using uh, various coaches and so forth along the way that I had done and was committed to and created in my life, and and that power was something that I searched for. I searched for in my workouts. I searched for in the races and so forth. But I would get to the end of the race, and if the result wasn't what I thought it was going to be, all of a sudden it was for naught. If the result was what I thought it was going to be, it would last sometimes 30 seconds, three days, whatever it may be. But there was there was an ending point. And then all of a sudden I got back on this, you know, this treadmill to try to chase it again because it was at the finish line that I found the significance. The problem was if I didn't hit the result I wanted, I didn't get the fucking significance. The problem was if I did hit the result, the significance didn't last. And so it became this vicious cycle of trying to chase it and 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 literally injuring my body to do that and then having to heal through that and then once my body was injured and I couldn't race then I didn't know what to do but yes I did find power in it, and yes I had tremendous commitment and yes I achieved incredible things uh, during that time and, and are going to continue to do that but I look at it very differently now because the man that shows up at the start line is different than he did in years past so your 15th Ironman was significant uh, primarily because for three years, injuries have prevented you from even like being inside of this game. Yep. Um, and it is now sitting here that you understand the whole purpose of this, like what God had in plan for you. Yeah. To hurt your, uh, you know, the bottom of your feet. Yeah. Then goes to your knees and the complication and knee surgery and the other knee. And so for three years, like you're you you were put on hold. Yeah. Of this continuous quest of being on the tried mile and and seeking the finish line. This three years was you became a pretty grumpy man. Very because you could not be on the treadmill, and the only treadmill you could be on is this road of recovery. You couldn't find significance in the physical events, and so you became a very grumpy man. And it's within this three years that you actually stumbled around the videos because if you wouldn't be grumpy enough, you wouldn't even look at these videos. You wouldn't be here today. You would be still running on a, on a treadmill, probably completing your twentieth iron. Right. And so three years of divine intervention yeah. 
and finding your voice, finding the path, filling up your fucking bucket, signing in for an Ironman that just took place in November uh, a few months ago in 2017 in Arizona. And this time was all about the man that showed up at the start line. Yeah. Because the man that showed up at the start line had to go through a series of preparation for him to be there, right? He had to go through a series of training and as well. But this time wasn't at the cost of ignoring your family, at the cost of ignoring business or anything else. This wasn't a, a, a lonely journey. Correct. And so talk to me about a couple of things. Talk to me about the man at the start line this year. Yeah. The injuries, family, everything that you managed. And talk to me about your experience at the finish line, you know, your family being there and, uh, you know, and... Uh, and <laughs> whoever gave you the fucking medal, I don't know, some fucking guy that sneaked in. Yeah. So, uh, crazy Persian. Yeah, some crazy guy that sneaks in and there's like, like next thing you know, is this dude is like, what the fuck? <laughs> Security. So, anyway, talk about that, man. So, um, this year, the difference was uh, several things. Number one was that I wanted to see could I do this and stay connected spiritually, committed to that in my life, and be invest in my wife Lauren and spend time with her invest in my girls Sammy Mark and Riley Reed and invest in them time wise and not make my training the priority over them which was always the case before and I wanted to produce like a motherfucker in my business so I wanted to be fit spiritually connected a family man and a businessman because obviously that's part of what we do here that's part of what I had studied that's part of what I had worked on so from June of last year through November you know I did some work up to June to get myself healthy and ready and so forth recovered after a surgery you know the December before but the point was could I take these things and could I take this doctrine that we learn here and we live here and move all of that at the same time and not have it get out of whack again like I had done every other time I had created great results in the race but I had neglected other things along the way. And to Sam's point, been very grumpy. Always like, I'm training. You guys need, I need to, I can't, I can't do that. I'm training. Da, 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 da. Like, you know, oh, you know, I'm the, I'm the number one. So that was the first piece was in the preparation. Was it possible to create a result that allowed me to continue to invest in all the areas of my life? The second piece was, it's funny. We, we flew out to Arizona uh, for Ironman Arizona in November. We get there and um, getting ready for the race, and I'm usually very uh, a little bit anxious and nervous race week and all this kind of stuff, like what to eat, where to do, mm. even unpacking in, in my room and so forth. Like there's just this constant kind of nervousness and anxiousness, and I didn't have it when I was there, mm. and I couldn't figure out why. So I get to us, I'm like, oh, it's going to be a little bit later because I didn't have as my goals weren't as high. The goal was just to get to the race healthily, enjoy the day, and so mm. forth. But then on race morning, like I put my wetsuit on, I've got my cap on. Got my goggles on my forehead. They're playing the music. Everybody's getting excited and stuff like that. We're in the corral. And I just have this thought. You know, every other time you've been to the start line, you were proven to yourself who you could be at the finish line. Mm. That you were a complete and whole man. That you were a man who was, you know, good and worked hard and all these other attributes. And that was part of what that proved to me. This time I show up at the start line as that man. So I'm not chasing anybody in the race. I show up whole, uh, divinely connected, grateful for my family, producing in my business, and I just showed up a whole man, not needing to prove anything to myself, wanting to enjoy the process, wanting to go through the day, wanting to work hard and create a great result. It's not that I didn't want to do that. The difference was I didn't have anything to prove to myself at this starting line. So I just showed up the man I, I wanted to be at the start line, not needing to find anything at the finish line. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, so talk about the race a little bit. You know, uh, th this was a, a emotional 10 hours or so. Um, talk about the race. Talk about the finish line. Yeah. Talk about that whole experience. So, uh, yes, yeah, so I got in the water, and uh, it was it was a, it, the water temperature was great. Got in, and I just decided to, to chill. Like, I'm a really good swimmer, but I decided to just enjoy that part of the race and not over push it. There was mm -hmm. not a reason to do it because I wasn't chasing anything other than having a solid day, right? So went out, had a good swim, enjoyed myself, enjoyed the environment, enjoyed the people cheering and yelling and hearing the music and seeing um, the areas. I swim by the buildings there in, in, in Tempe, Arizona. Come out, uh, get onto the bike, and I felt really good, but it was windy as fuck. Yeah, I remember that. 
<laughs> so uh, at one point toward the end of the uh, end of that, there's a basically an out and back. Uh, there's three. It's a three loop course with an out and back uh, out in Ironman Ar- Arizona. And at the last end, there's a bit of an incline, and you got a headwind. So at some point, man, you're pedaling it, and you need to try to save your legs because if you override, then you're fucked on the run. Mm. So at one point, I'm looking down, like going like 14, 15 miles an hour. I'm like, fuck, I, I still want to do well, right? Like I'm not just like fuck it. Like I mean, I've done well in these races before, so I still have goals. It's not yeah. like I'm just like, hey, I'm just gonna go play it. But then I make the turnaround. We start to head back, and the wind's in my back. All of a sudden, it's 35 miles an hour, 36 miles an hour, which is great, and it's a little bit nerve-wracking as well. So you got to really hold on tight. you got to really concentrate because the road's bumping. you got people coming the other way. So it's pretty crazy. So you do that loop three times. Uh, felt good about it. Felt like I stayed in it mentally and so forth. Really enjoyed the day. Really enjoyed out there. Just kind of stayed in, the, in, in pretty much a state of gratitude. Had fun thanking the volunteers, you know, yelling at, like, kids. Like, to, who, they're out there, sh- you know, with signs for their parents or whatever it may be. So I made the loops, got back in, uh, got my, my got my run shoes on, head out, kissed my wife, hugged my girls and my mom, and went out onto the run. And uh, <laughs> I got about two miles into the run, and we had really kind of limited the amount of run I was doing because of some yeah. of the injuries during the training process. My coach and I worked through that. And uh, so I get, I get out on the run, and I'm like two miles in, and I'm like, man, my legs are really tired. And then I get the third mile, and I'm like, I had really not wanted to do any walking on the first loop. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I get to that third mile, and I take my first couple steps walking, and I can feel the heaviness in my legs. And I'm pretty familiar with that race, having done so many of them. And um, I wind up thinking to myself, man, this is what my legs normally feel like at 20 miles. <laughs> and I'm at mile three. I got 23 miles to go. So I start, I had a moment where I stepped into like, ah, oh, it's fucked. This, I'm fucked. This is going to be a long day. It's going to be miserable. And then I just had this like moment of clarity where I was like, you're here, you've done what you needed to do. You showed up as the man you wanted to be. You're going to finish this race. No, it's not going to be your fastest day by a long shot. Mm-hmm. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult, but it's going to be worth it. And you're going to see people that you, that you know and love on the course. You're going to see strangers. You're going to have an opportunity to connect with people and just go have the rest of your day. So then I just made my way through the run, had some, some cramping and other stuff, just dealt with the things that happened in a race like that, got to the finish line, uh, had a familiar face show up and put a medal around my neck, which was amazing. And and first time I've ever been medaled by somebody that I know, which was awesome. So thank you again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, we'll talk about that in a second. And then, uh, but it, but it, but I was able to then go over and uh, connect with my family, family and thank them. And um, you know, I had a great video of that and was able to speak to you know my daughters, uh, my, my wife and my mom, and uh, thank them for all that they have been. And it was bigger than just the race this year. Yeah. It was about what we've created as a family over the last year and a half, two years. It was about uh, being an example, especially my youngest daughter who was dealing with some things as a teenager and stuff like that and, and helping her understand that the strength she sees in me lives in her. So we yeah. had a beautiful moment like that. Uh, and then just so much support from Lauren for being able to do this and uh, the sacrifice she makes for that. So it was a beautiful, beautiful moment that I'll remember for the rest of my life. I remember that. I was videoing you guys um, as as this was happening, a special moment. Yeah. We, we put it all on video. Um, for me, being at the finish line, waiting for you to put the medal around you uh, was a transformational moment for me as well. I know you and I were talking about this a couple of months back and, you know, talking about the fact that, I was sharing with you that I wanted to do an Ironman and so on, and then the, the purpose behind it wasn't really clear. Um, and when you finished uh, the, the finish line, and I was there as a volunteer, and um, of course I was at Station Eleven. Somehow I found myself at the at the, at the finish line with the medal in my fucking hand. Um, God wanted me there, I guess. Yes. That's the only way I could put that. Um, I don't even know how the fuck I made it there, but anyway, I I'm, at, I, I'm, I'm at the finish line. I, I put I put the medal around you, and uh, for me, it was a transformational moment because uh, it is at that time that I decided to do this to be an Ironman, not for the physical challenge, and I'm not dismissing that at all. But right. but it was be it was I wanted to be the man th- that you were at the start line, which is this this you're already an Ironman by showing up by showing up in, with your family by showing up with God showing up inside of your business and as well as taking care of your body. So you already showed up as an Ironman at the start line. And that's why I wanted this entire year for me to for me to train for being that Ironman at the start line. Because if you start as an Ironman at the start line, you're not going to chase anything at the finish line. Right. And I couldn't feel this 
in any other Iron Man conversations that I had over the years, and I've watched and admired athletes and just men going through this experience. And so I was so inspired, so inspired by this to do it myself that I announced it at, at the convention, and I got 50, 60 other guys doing Iron Man in Arizona. And all this is because you decided to show up as an Iron Man at the start line. So there is 60 of us right now that is in this process of becoming that man in the start line by the end of this year, 2018 yeah. in November. Um, so you know this, obviously, you know, like I, you, you were part of the announcement. I, I didn't stop fucking talking about it <laughs> all weekend when, when we ran convention. But I just want to hear from you. How does it feel to be here knowing that you've started the line for 60 people? Well, I hadn't thought about it till this very moment, so I'm I'm actually uh, drinking that in, uh, humbled and uh, proud. Like I'm really proud that the work that I've done inspired you, and that then reflected, you know, to all the men who were there and got excited and got connected to it. I've I've always believed anyone who wanted to do it could, because I've seen incredible uh, situations in that race, uh, and there's a there's a there's a deep spiritual component to that race it's not just the physical and there's just greatness that gets achieved there that just, just always brings me back but as you say that to me in this moment i am uh i really am just honored and grateful that you know my work has mattered and has been an inspiration and touched and then been able to transform for others so it's it feels fantastic it feels fantastic and, I, and the nice thing is it's funny because as we sit here the man that i am now can own that and yeah. not and not deflect that no before 39 Deflect. Deflect, yeah. Or enjoy it for 30 seconds yeah, yeah, yeah. and deflect. So 60 men, 60 men starting at Ironman, meaning that they're not going to sacrifice this year to families. They're not going to fucking sacrifice the business. It's fucking eight at night and we're here running a fucking podcast. And they're not going to sacrifice God and they're not going to break down their body, but they're going to do the goddamn work to be ready as Iron Man. Yep. So it's like the new generation of Iron Man, right? <laughs> it's a four-dimensional yeah. fucking Iron Man. It's, exactly. it's, it's what you wanted all these years, and now you led 60, and maybe 60 becomes 600 by next year. Not maybe, it will. So what's your plan to make that 600? <laughs> Share this up, man. Share it up. Take what we do. Create, create, and share it. That's that's the plan. The plan is to be who we are and figure out, continue to continue to push uh, in a way that allows us to do it this way. I mean, that's just, exactly yeah. what it is. Yeah. It's sixty man followed you not because of your words, not because you've done Iron Man fourteen times. Nobody fucking admired that. They respected that. Right, right. Sixty man followed you because you've done the goddamn fucking work and you made it possible to be an Ironman at start line. Well, and listen, I'm more proud of this finish that was two hours slower than my fastest, actually two and a half hours slower than my fastest time because of the man who showed up at the start line and because I didn't sacrifice myself, uh, my, my connection to God, my connection to my family, and my production. I am more proud of that finish than the ones that are way more impressive. Like my, some of my other finishes are way more impressive when you look at it in just that one capsule, but I'm I'm most proud of this race and this finish. I know, and quite frankly, I don't give a fuck about those finish. I mean, somebody could, but <laughs> not me. I really give a fuck about this right. particular one. Me too. Um, particularly because I was at the finish yeah, line, yeah, right yeah, in the yeah, middle. Yeah, that's, it. Right. I, that's right. I don't know if I got some TV time yeah, or not, man. Yeah. Did I? Yeah. I'm sure. Yes, you got TV time. Yeah, I'm sure. that's what I'm talking about, man. TV <laughs> time. <laughs> After reviewed the video, they're like. Who the fuck was yeah, that guy? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we did not approve him at the finish line, that's for sure. So we'll see if uh, if I'm not going to be banned from Iron yeah, Man. that's right. I may run the course on the side. Yeah. <laughs> we, may have to, we may have to dye your beard the or something. The day before or the day after. Right. Um, hey, man, it was great having you yeah, on the call. Fantastic. One thing for sure is that you're not grumpy. No, not anymore. No, I'm not either. No. So that that was the message. If If our message today was to say, if you feel grumpy... There is a way to get rid of that grumpiness. And if you haven't figured it out yet, if you're 45, 46, 41, 32, 39, whatever, if you haven't figured out how to get rid of that grumpiness, and there is a way for you here. Uh, there are two ways. You can continue tuning into this message here at worryweeknow.com by listening to the podcast and the videos and the images and the scriptures that we put on, on, the, on the website. 
Uh, or you can take action and just apply at worryweek.com and uh, watch the documentary, apply and see if this is an experience that, uh, that you're seeking for. And either way, if this this conversation of today, being grumpy and being a fucking Iron Man, a four-dimensional Iron Man, has resonated with you, uh, do yourself a favor and just forward this to someone, some some other man that could potentially benefit from this as well. Uh, we thank you for tuning into this um, podcast, or at least that's what we call it. Yeah. This this conversation from the pit. Um, just want to take final words from Colin, and then we'll wish you the best. Yeah, just so glad to be able to share this, and I can only tell you that there's no time like the, this this time to make this decision. So if you're hearing this message and speaking to you, there, there's there's no time but now to act. I mean, you literally have an opportunity to transform something that you haven't understood before. There is a possibility beyond what you experienced today. So if anything here connected with you, take an action. Take an action because it's not going to change otherwise. Beautiful. You too can be an Iron Man, a four-dimensional Iron Man. And if you're hearing this right now, we are in uh, February, right? Yep. Uh, you can sign up still for Iron Man 2018 in November. Uh, there is ways to get in, so sign up. We may be 60-plus now. There you go. All right, beautiful. Thanks for joining us.